on all levels except physical, I am a wolf. Welcome to the Analog Sticks Podcast, where this week we're dancing in the dark and letting out our inner wolf in The Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess. Let's go. Let's go. Do we really just have our faces here as the uh, as the intro music plays? Yes, every time. For anyone not watching on YouTube, we play the intro music, and I bop my head to the camera a little bit, and Cody just sits there deadpan stares. Anyways, hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Analog Sticks Podcast. My name is Rusty, his name is Cody, you probably already knew that, and this week we're covering a Zelda game! Oh my god, ah, would you believe it? Before we get into the meat of one of the biggest games in this franchise, Cody, how you doing today? Uh, dude, I, funny story for you guys, you'll, you'll love to hear this. I woke up at like 10am, it's Saturday. And I go check my phone, and it's a message from Russ at, like, 7 a.m. Like, all right, I'm ready to record whenever. <laughs> so I have somewhere to be, so. Yeah, so I, I like, just woke up. I'm out of caffeine. Um, so I'm going to try to talk real excited, but I, I apologize for any of the YouTube viewers. My eyes are going to be glazed over the whole time because I'm still, like, in wake-up mode, you know? Hasn't even showered the crusties out yet. Gotta nope. love that. <laughs> I'm on that grind, bro. I just I I stood up out of bed and turned my camera on. <laughs> Not quite. He took another hour, but nonetheless, we're here. <laughs> Personally, I woke up at seven. I'm having a good day. Well caffeinated, you know, doing my whole yeah, thing. Nice. About to go help some people move some furniture because I'm a good friend. <laughs> it's been a tough week though. I'm glad to be sitting here talking some Zelda with you. Cody, are you excited for this one? Yeah, this is um this is the the main Zelda game that I was least familiar with and I'm really happy that I got around to playing it. That's good to hear. So we'll go ahead and get into it, give you guys a little bit of a background on what's going on with this game. So before there was The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, Nintendo launched the GameCube. And before they did, they showed a demo at Space World 2000, 2001, I don't know when it was, of a realistic Link fighting a realistic Ganon. And everybody got super excited for that realistic Zelda game. Then we got Wind Waker, which, in my opinion, is the best Zelda game, but at the time, people were not happy about the art direction, and I, I kind of get that. Expectations versus delivery, they might have botched that. Yeah. Anyways, after Wind Waker didn't do well and they faced a bunch of backlash from it, the people at Nintendo were like, okay, react. So they made Twilight Princess, the realistic Zelda game. It's a whole lot of fun. This was before I became a cog in the hype cycle, Cody as well, I believe. <laughs> But Cody, yeah. what were your experiences with this game before this week? I know you said you were the least familiar with this out of all the Zeldas, but I'd love to hear it. Mm -hmm. uh, before this week, I I played it for a bit, I don't know, in like 2015 or 2016. Um, I, you know, I say it like every episode <laughs> of this freaking show because I'm so bitter about it. I never owned a Wii growing up, uh, so I just, I didn't grow up playing this game, um... I've only, I, the only thing I ever knew about it was just by being a Zelda fan and hearing other people talk about it, really. Fun stuff. You knew about the wolf boy, and that was about it. <laughs> I knew about the wolf I... boy, I knew about Midna's butt, and that's it. 
Everybody knew about that. I made a joke about that in the video I made. Speaking of, check that out. Um, I, on the other hand, did have a Wii. I also had a GameCube, but this was at the end of the GameCube. It's kind of like yeah. Breath of the Wild is on the Wii U. That's Almost the superior the version to me. Situation. Both got delayed a bunch, too. And then put on the new console. But the GameCube version is the definitive version of Twilight Princess, if you ask me, because Link's left-handed. I first played this game, I was probably eight or nine years old. My dad picked it up at launch, because he's also a Zelda fan. And since this was rated T for teen, he wanted to make sure it wasn't too racy for me. <laughs> My dad's a completionist. He spent like 140 hours on this game. <laughs> And he wasn't sitting there every night playing it. It was only, like, on the weekends for a couple hours if my mom was out or something like that. So I was sitting there waiting for my dad to finish this game so that I could play it. And sure enough, a couple months later, he's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a Zelda game. You're fine. It's just realistic. So they slapped a T on it. But did, um, I, I love this game. Did you, did you watch him play it? Or did you just, like, do something else waiting for him to be done with it? I was probably in my room playing Wind Waker when he was in the living room playing <laughs> hey, Twilight Princess in all reality. But that, that's that's our backgrounds with it. I've revisited this game several times. I think I was like 13 and I this was like the first game I ever quote unquote speed ran trying hmm. to beat it as quickly as I could. It took me like 14 hours of game time over like three days. That's Fun uh, stuff. That's kind of what I've been doing for this episode in uh, preparation. Just trying to play it quickly. No, no bullshitting around and exploring. Just let's 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 beat let's this. Let's story, see how quickly yeah. I can do it. <laughs> it's a great story, and because of that, I wrote a burn for it. Cody, Ooh. are you ready for this? Sure thing. <laughs> Before I do, though, I'm not going to spoil all the nitty gritty of the story. But if you are hypersensitive to spoilers, it's a 17 year old game. You should know what's going on. But this is your warning, anyways. Let's go ahead and get into this. <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> don't mind me, just your friendly neighborhood goat herder. Hey, don't take my friends! After transforming into a dog because logic, we meet a horny imp and we're blinded by the twilight. After we rid the world of the darkness and collect some ugly old stone helmet, and following a near-death experience, a mirror was shattered by an ugly dude and we have to fix it. Then we take out the smelly guy in the fish head and are left to fight Ganondorf because surprise surprise, he's the actual bad guy here. After stabbing him in the chest, the light spirits give us a gift of sorts and all is well in the light and dark worlds. Beautiful. You know, if you had never played this game and you're worried about spoilers, I feel like if you don't know about this game, this burn just makes no sense at all. <laughs> oh, none. But the only thing that I would say is an actual spoiler is they kind of did a thing where they're like, Ganondorf's not the bad guy, but he is! But he is the bad guy! <laughs> spoiler, Ganon. It's bad. It's so weird. The plot for this game is a Zelda plot. I mean, it takes the same formula as A Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, where you have a few dungeons. Well, you get your intro, explain the story. You have a few dungeons with a little bit of story in between each one. After the third one, it's like, big plot point, plivot, twist. Plivot's a word now, I made that up. And then you do four or five more dungeons, whatever it is, and then game ends and everything's all magical and good. So that's always fun. But as far as this, how do you think it compares to Ocarina of Time? A lot of people call this Ocarina of Time 2. What do you think? It really did feel like that, and I was, I was surprised. Uh, based on the little bit I played years ago, I never thought of it like that because I, I didn't get too far. And I think visually... 
it, it just feels so different. And the, the beginning of the game does too. But once you really get into it and you're getting through the dungeons, it, it feels super uh, Ocarina of time And I think it's because... I mean, I think they meant to do it like that, right? Because Wind Waker was more of a departure in the way that I think Breath of the Wild was too. And after yes. doing that and having some backlash, Nintendo really wanted to walk back back and uh, try to go back to what people loved with Ocarina of Time, which honestly I think was was pretty good. Um, in preparation for this episode, I did watch a little summary video of uh, the second half of the game since I couldn't beat that. And the guy in the video had a really good point. He said, people say that this game is a lot like Ocarina of Time, right? But if mm -hmm. Ocarina of Time's like the greatest game ever made, then how is that a bad thing? Yeah, I agree with that and you very much so. I think this may have actually started as just a remake of Ocarina of Time. I could be completely wrong. Take that with the biggest grain of salt on the planet. <laughs> mm -hmm. But... It is. It does follow like almost an identical structure to the game. The intro is very different. I feel like it does well enough differentiating itself to where if you played Ocarina of Time and then came into it, you'll see it takes a lot of inspiration from its predecessor and a lot of the same formula, but it's got a fresh coat of paint on it and it's a completely different narrative. And I think it does a fairly well job differentiating itself to the point where nine-year-old me who played Ocarina of Time didn't even comprehend that they were like directly the same thing yeah. so I, I think it's it's fair they definitely use the same formula and whatnot but i don't think that's a bad thing like we said yeah i, I think um, you gotta you gotta kind of use your brain a little bit to see the parallels between the games like if you're just if you're just mindlessly getting through it taking it for what it is i, I don't think you're gonna see as much of the ocarina of time parallels as like a diehard fan who's who's like keeping that in mind as they play even still with that, I do feel that the game does have its own identity, and it is mm -hmm. solid by itself. Oh, it yeah. doesn't lean... It doesn't stand on the shoulders of Ocarina of Time. It simply stands next to it, I suppose. But it's like the younger brother that gets to be just as tall as the older brother, oh, and then dude. they're beating the crap out of each other. Twilight Princess has such strong younger brother energy. That's oh what this gosh. game is. The younger brother of Zelda games. Wind Waker is just like the cool cousin who doesn't take itself too seriously, but yeah. everybody loves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, with this plot, though, it is, like we said, the narrative is different from Ocarina of Time. It's a similar story structure, but the narrative itself is different. Did you think it felt contrived in the way it was laid out? I mean, it is a Zelda game, so you can kind of guess when the big moments are going to happen because mm -hmm. it does follow that same formula. But did it ever feel like really jarring the way that they try to play with your emotions and use the narrative to you? Um, to me, the very beginning felt a bit like that. And when I say very beginning, I mean like the first 30 or 40 minutes when you're yeah. when, when it's introducing everybody. But oh my gosh, I, I think it pays off really well. And, you know, I didn't. So like I said, I didn't get to the second half of the game after you get the the uh, fused shadows or whatever it's called. Uh, mm -hmm. So I can't speak on that. But for some of the plot points, like when you um, when you return Ilya and the fish boy to Kakariko or when you save the the young boy from the the king pigman whatever his name is king Baldwin, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those two story points to me are just so good they really work and i they didn't feel contrived at all to me 
Yeah, I think that in the beginning it feels like, oh wow, they're really trying to get me attached to these characters. Mm -hmm. And then like the whole intro stuff's happening and you're like, I gotta go save the little punk kids. Oh, yeah. come on. And then it goes down and they actually get kidnapped and you're like, oh my god! Like, I could see how like, somebody would be like, I'm not attached to these characters, I don't care. But personally, it sucked me in and I yeah. got attached to them. Yeah, Unfortunately, it, um, I think they don't do a great job at following up on that attachment very well, especially mm. with, like, the kids and Ilya. They kind of spread it out and make you forget about it a little bit, but I do still think that the character development really lends itself to the narrative being so strong. Yeah, I think um, it, that the first half I played was, like, was that the whole storyline of most of those kids? Because it felt like a complete story uh, before you ever have to do the whole mirror part. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some other things, like, the whole story pretty much does come to a conclusion. With the younger kids in particular, after the King Boblin fight, that's basically it, except mm -hmm. uh, there's a side quest with Mallow becoming a capitalist, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> capitalist baby. But I noticed that she has I've... a shop set up. What a go-getter. Yeah. <laughs> good, good for Mallow. And then you talk to her, I and feel... she's just like, oh, yeah, this place was abandoned, so, like, I don't know, I just took it. <laughs> <laughs> Works out, too. Uh, with Ilya, they do continue it a little later into the game, but it quickly reach, reaches a conclusion. They reference her in a couple of the cutscenes about halfway through, but I don't feel like they fleshed out the group that they first get you attached to really well. As far as Midna, I did a whole video about how she's, like, the best, and how they really yeah. did well writing her character. I suggest you check that out. I'll put a card on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. It's over Cody's head over there. I'm making myself do work. Look at that. <laughs> um... As for this, I feel like, like I was saying, the characters they and the writing that they do really help set this game apart from not just Ocarina of Time, but also like Majora's Mask and The Wind Waker. People say the NPCs and the writing in those games, they make the games and the narrative super deep. This is no exception. I feel like it's mm -hmm. even better. One thing that I'll say the game tries to have here is, like I was saying, they build an attachment to the characters, and it's kind of hit or miss. But did you personally become attached to any of these characters? Did the emotions get stirred up and you felt it in dramatic moments as if you actually were Link? Oh, dude, actually, though, and I, I think I... Let me go back to my personal notes from when I uh, played this, because I, I might have written it down. Um, it, it, a really good part was when you saved the little boy. Do you remember what his name is? Colin. Colin. Um, yes. After you save Colin... And you're back at the village, and he talks about how he he was like he thought of you when he saved the the other girl, and like put mm -hmm. himself in front of the guy instead. That was that was awesome, um, dude. That was a good part. These characters are so well written. I I didn't actually play the game this week. I'm familiar enough with it to where I was comfortable not playing it. Plus, I was killing yeah. myself on this last video, <laughs> so I had my fun, but. Here we are. And that moment, it sticks out in my head. Like, I remember it clearly. It's slow motion. The girl's like a deer in the headlights, and Colin just shoulder checks her out of the way yeah. and gets nabbed. And I remember being like, I gotta save him. They're gonna kill him. And dude, I they was don't. You genuinely save so worried that um, that they just killed him off. Because when <laughs> when he gets in front of the, the pig thing, you know, they have a, a few moments between him being there and then him being you know tied up held hostage and for those few <laughs> moments i was like did he just run him over like is that it for dude. the kid 
Yeah, he's tied up and then he's held up like a flag. It's <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like this is one of the only parts of the story I really want to dive into because if we do, we'd be here all day. We could talk about the lore of Twilight Princess for hours. Mm -hmm. I'm on a time crunch. We're not going to do that. But with that, there's it's such a dramatic scene. You're trying to save this kid who just put his life on the line to save another kid. And when you do it the way that they build that up, there's a scene where Link goes up on the horizon. There's the twilight sunset in the background and Epona like rears back and he's holding the sword out. And mm. it is like the most badass moment in all, in of, all Zelda. of Zelda. No, when Dude. I, so let me kind of look through what I wrote there when that happened. Um, I love it so much. There, there needs to be more grand moments like that in Zelda games, I think. Because The Legend of Zelda is meant to be this huge, epic adventure that's on a massive scale, right? You're saving an entire kingdom single-handedly. Mm -hmm. And yet, there's not enough moments like that where the game just lets you revel in how freaking cool you are now, now that you're doing all Dude. this stuff. And I hate to jump around on our notes a bunch because it throws me off, but the music in this scene oh, makes it even more dude. epic. I mean, it's a Zelda game, so obviously the music throughout is very good, but the way that they change scenes using music to really make you feel is awesome in this game. I love it. It, it made me think how... Actually, playing this game it made me appreciate how different uh, Breath of the Wild is even more, because I have you know, mm -hmm. better context for what came before it. I, I like that Breath of the Wild is more minimal, less music, less bombastic. But, man, I miss that. That's that's really what I want in a Zelda game. I want big, blaring music. I want to feel like the big hero band, of Hyrule. Big band, all that. Fully orchestrated. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. I have a respect for the music in Breath of the Wild, the way it is, like, yes. more minimalistic, soft piano, and then they do pick it up a little bit when you're fighting a Guardian, per se, or a Molduga, or a big boss. But, like, I think they could have done the soft piano in the background when you're just exploring and then really let you feel it in those big moments like we do here. I think it's one of the things that makes not only Twilight Princess, but the Zelda series as a whole really stand out. The music always matches the vibes, and it's... Oh, it's this is... I'm gonna say something <laughs> I never would have said before Breath of the Wild came out. I really want a linear Zelda experience next. <laughs> it's time. We can cover Twilight Princess soon, and uh, Skyward Sword soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. We'll, we'll jump back to the story. We'll get back to the music in a little bit. I hate jumping around, but we have to do it sometimes. Oh, yeah. With this game, now that you've played it, if you're ranking it against the uh, the story itself, not necessarily the gameplay, the mechanics, the dungeons, any of that stuff, just the story, the yes. narrative of this game, the way they play with your emotions, all that stuff. If you're comparing this between Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Skyward Sword, and Breath of the Wild, where does it rank? I mean, personally, uh, is, I'd say that this is the most Zelda Zelda game. It's so. the most Zelda. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call back to what I said earlier. This is the most little brother vibe out of any of the games because, as good as the story is, and it's very good, I still am gonna rank it lower because the Zelda okay. canon is just so fantastic that you can put up a game that beats almost any other game in any category, and it's still not the best in the series. I don't think I've said this on this podcast before. I might get some gasps. I'm not a big Ocarina of Time fan. I love the narrative. I have so much respect for what it does. I don't like playing the game. 
I really don't like playing Ocarina of Time. And I keep saying though, you need to play the the 3DS version because the other and I don't have a 3DS. <laughs> the Ocarina I played it on GameCube. I have the Zelda's Collector Edition. I had the one with Master Quest for a while there. I just can't. It's a little too clunky for my liking, and I'm not necessarily a fan. That being said, though, that narrative is so freaking strong. I love it so much, and I don't think that this game can have a good narrative without feeding off of Ocarina of Times, which it does heavily as being a direct sequel. Mm -hmm. I think that I would rank this above Majora's Mask, as great a story as that is. It's just not as deep for me, and the way that they rely on side quests, I don't know. And I think it's over the Wind Waker as well. It's a close third for Wind Waker. Breath of the Wild's narrative, I think, goes into its own category. Yeah, it's it, it has a good narrative, it's but it's not um it's not a storybook being told to you, you know? It's more like we talked about this when we covered Breath of the Wild, the visual storytelling there or mm -hmm. environmental storytelling is very impactful. As far as just a game's narrative, I don't know. I I guess below Wind Waker, above Majora's Mask. I don't know. Is that fair? Also, Skyward Sword's narrative is really good. Oh, I forgot about that. See, this I, is can't, putting me so in a I can't make a fair ranking because I haven't played Skyward Sword yet either. We're going to have to cover that one soon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that narrative is really good. It feels a little more contrived. I'm putting it below Wind Waker just for the sake of this. Moving on from the story, unless you have but anything contrived else. Contrived describes Skyward Sword like in total, <laughs> right? Like the <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. It's it, very much, we have to make this story to feed into everything else. It's the origin story of Zelda. Yeah, it's the it's the game where they're like, okay, fans, we're going to do it, and it's not going to be as cool as you thought it was going to be. Because <laughs> we have to rely on everything else that we've already done and make it work in this context. Mm -hmm. uh, did you have anything else on the story of Twilight Princess? On the story? Anything else that you took notes on that like we didn't get? Oh, here, yeah, let, let, let me scroll through my notes real quick. <laughs> Uh, let's While Cody's see. scrolling, <laughs> don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, rate, review, all that stuff. We don't have, like, any reviews. If you're listening on the podcast feed, that would, honestly, it would really help on Apple or whatever it is. That'd be pretty cool. Also, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. What do you like? What do you dislike? Ooh, I like the bomb shop guy in... <laughs> <laughs> What's his does name? I can't remember his story? name. I think it starts with a B. I think that does. We can, we can talk about a character real quick. Um, great characterization. This is uh, his name is Barnes. Hmm? His name is Barnes. Barnes. Barnes is bombs. Um, earlier, B I think before we started recording, I told you how much I like the animations, not the gameplay animations, but the cutscenes. They're like they're just better than any other Zelda game. Like they actually put good animating and animation into it. I'm sure Skyward Sword's a bit like it too. But the, the characterization just from the movements they have, especially the bomb shop guy, is awesome. He's like, I mean, he's so scared sometimes that he's like crawling around. <laughs> he's just a weird dude. Or like there's there's a part where some big enemy comes to town to steal the kids and he it's right the enemy pulls King his Bowling mask up to look at him. And then the bomb guy slowly puts his down. <laughs> it's so cool. Ah. Uh. The way that they do, the way they make characters expressive in the cutscenes, not necessarily in regular gameplay, mm -hmm. I think is very good. I think Wind Waker's art style lends more to expressive characters, the way that they can make faces move in cartoony yeah. ways. I think they do a great job in this context, though, and I, I think it's stellar. Fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
Now, if we were to jump back to the music, we've already said that we love it. It matches the vibes. Did you have any standout tracks off the top of your head? I know you'd said you'd only played the first half of the game, but... Uh, I really liked Goron City. It was... It's just classic Goron City. They didn't try to to do anything different or fancy with it, uh, and it, it ended up working. Um, when you first walk out to the fields during the day, that's always awesome. It's a little mm -hmm. bit like Ocarina of Time, where it just... I mean, it, it's even like um, the earlier Zelda games, too. Link to the Past. The overworld where theme, You yeah. get to the overworld, and it just blasts you with some good-ass hero music. I love it. Dude, the, the Hyrule Field theme in this game is amazing. I love it. Another thing you said about Goron City, isn't it just a remake of Ocarina of Time's Goron City? I think but so. But much more modern. They do that quite a bit, like the Sacred Grove, which is just the Lost Woods. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool the way they do that. And I think the Temple of Time does as well, not 100% sure. The way they remix old tracks from the older games is really, really good. I love that. Because they did it in their own style. I'm trying to remember, because I know some games like um, like A Link Between Worlds sounds orchestrated, but it's actually electronic, but they, they've just gotten really good at making it sound orchestrated. But it sounds to me like uh, Twilight Princess is orchestrated. Right. If they did this with technology, I'd be blown away. In 2005, I'm... 2006, yeah it, yeah. it had to been real recording. That's that's what I, I mean... like, though, is Ocarina of Time wasn't uh, orchestrated. It was using MIDI tracks. And so I'm fine with Twilight Princess using the exact same music, just used using an orchestra, because that's what we needed at the time. It's all oh, it's so good. The one standout we can't not mention is Midna's Lament. Are you familiar with the song? The soft piano, when you're trying not to let your little companion die. I touched on it in the video, it's so good. But like, do you think that track is overrated or underrated? Underrated, yeah. Underrated? <laughs> from from my personal experience, because I don't, I don't have much Twilight Princess in my life, so if for mm -hmm. me it was underrated, and I'm gonna be listening to it a lot more. <laughs> Love to hear that. A lot of people say like, "Oh, it's everybody's favorite. It's overrated." Personally, I feel that it does what it sets out to do <clears throat> so well, and the way it plays with the scene it is in is phenomenal. It sets out to make you feel like you are trying to save somebody from a near-death experience, and it makes you feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel so sad, and the way that they do that with one song is truly amazing, and I think that people who hate on Midna's Lament are wrong. Like, sure, it's a basic pick, but that's because it's great. <laughs> um, the I want to talk about this real quick, because you are mentioning, you know, that whole scene where, where Midna's fading away. Other Zelda games will deal with death or kill off characters, but it doesn't have the same impact as Twilight Princess. Uh, other Zelda games, like uh, like Breath of the Wild, you know, everyone who dies in that story already died at the start of the game. Mm -hmm. So it's like, whatever, you know? <laughs> you already know they're dead. Yeah, you're not the one... You're, uh, you're not carrying the near-dead imp on your back. Yeah, it, Twilight <laughs> Princess makes it so much heavier, and they they don't hold punches. Like, if, if a character might die, it's... You don't have that sense of like, oh, but this is a Zelda game, so of course they can't die. Like, why would they let that happen? Twilight Princess actually made me think, oh my god, are they going to do it? Are they going to kill this character? 
Dude, there were, I played this game when I was eight or nine. There were two things that stuck with me for that still stick with me to this day. The Twilight Beasts scared the ever loving shit out of me. I think that's part of why I didn't play it much more when I first. Tried. I was so scared as a kid. <laughs> like I had nightmares about the Twilight Beasts. Dude, there's sounds. Two. Midna can never die. She's not allowed to ever. <laughs> <laughs> like I was. Uh, I was eight years old. I'm like, no, please, it's gonna be okay. We can get you there. <laughs> uh, and then the way that they handled the whole scene after that, we're gonna get into the. We already touched on the story. We don't want to spoil everything. If you played the game, you know exactly what we're talking about. Get over it. Uh, <laughs> I'm worked up right now. Jesus. Uh, as for the animations and graphics, you we kind of touched on this a little bit with the cutscenes in particular. They did a really good job with the animations and making expressions work and conveying emotion pretty well outside of that though what are your thoughts on the animations we'll get back to the graphics uh gameplay animations meh 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 they're fine all right um sometimes they feel a little awkward um we brought this up earlier maybe before recording when characters talk i know zelda is a japanese game so usually they're doing their japanese talking but Oh my goodness, the the syncing is so bad. There's some oh, moments it's... where the characters will move their lips and be done, and then they start talking, like, audio-wise. <laughs> Script, yeah, it's tough. And I noticed a lot of this when I was editing that video, looking at stuff slowed way down, trying to find frame-by-frame -frame scene transitions mm -hmm. and all that. A lot of it's like a blank stare and a mouth moving when you're not in a cutscene, and it's a little tough. <laughs> like, it doesn't necessarily look great, of course. Yeah. Um, with that, though, there are a couple of other animations that stick out to me. I didn't play the game this week, so I'm, if I went back with a more critical eye, I could probably find a couple of more things. The rolling feels like a really elaborate animation that doesn't necessarily work with the world. Mm. Like, you can roll into walls, and sometimes you'll bonk on them. But sometimes you won't. You'll just roll against the side of it very slowly. In a game like Wind Waker, where it's more of a summer, it's less of a somersault, more like you are rolling in a ball. It works. In this game, it feels a lot more like a somersault, of course, and it kind of just looks weird when you're rolling in place doing a full-fledged somersault. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, all in all, it's fine. I'd say. <laughs> I gotta say, and I. For some reason, I have this problem with a lot of Zelda games and how the movement works. Breath of the Wild fixed it. It's a lot snappier. But earlier Zelda games, there's always, um, when you try to turn left or right, you can't, you don't just turn. Like, you, they make you walk a little forward and then left. And so, especially yeah. in Twilight Princess, sometimes I had a hard time getting onto ladders or through doors just because I would mm -hmm. try to get to it and then I end up to the left or right of it and I have to, like, you can't just go left into it. You have to back up and then reapproach. Yeah, I think this is because I spent so much time speed running Wind Waker and trying to perfect my movement there. It isn't a great system because somebody who comes in has to play with it like that. But once you do get the hang of it, at least it's consistent mm -hmm. in the way it works, and you can figure it out and learn it much better. Yeah. But it isn't necessarily the most smooth system right out of the gate. He kind of does turn like a boat a little bit. A lot of it from standing, for instance, you can do snap turns when you're not moving, but if you're holding forward and go to turn right, you still take like two more steps forward and then slowly bank to the right. Yep. Almost like driving a car or a boat. And especially in Epona, this feels really present when you're riding the horse. It, it gets a little The awkward. HD version, 
the HD version's even worse. Like, oh, I feel no. like they didn't even think about how the horse works. It does not work. There's a lot of glitches around riding a pony in the HD version. It's pretty mm. bad. <laughs> all in all, that stuff's not necessarily too jarring. It's just, if we're looking at it with a critical eye, it's not perfect. It's a Zelda game, so it's still good, but yeah, anything can be better. So well, and we so, so we've been talking about animation and movement do we want to talk about the the visual style of this game yes very much so i'll let you lead (laughs) oh my goodness i i got some i got some notes on this um this visual style is it's so dated i'm sorry it just is it really is uh i i appreciate they tried going for the realistic look i think they were i can see where it could have been um more timeless but I think I pinpoint why it feels so dated. And it's because this art style is like, it's it's the tribal tattoo of video game art. And I did oh. some research. Nintendo is into that aesthetic. Uh, in 2004, they released the tribal tattoo Game Boy. <laughs> and then Twilight Princess was in development around the same time. Um, it is mm. just so mid-2000s. Like, it's, it's like muddy and gritty. Um, they were inspired by Lord of the Rings. The movies recently came out. That's why there's so much bloom on most of the game. I mm-hmm. I was doing some research on this. They saw Lord of the Rings and they were like, "Yes, let's do that, Zelda." And that's cell shading, bloom lighting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, that's really what it. Well, what it is too. Um, shader video game shaders were pretty new at the time. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. the GameCube had finally allowed developers to to use shaders on their 3D graphics. And then the Wii, even better shaders. So they leaned into that with Twilight Princess. And I think I think because shaders were a new thing to them, they kind of overdid it because it was just so shiny and new at the time. So there's just infinite bloom, way too much uh, HDR and saturation. And then it does the saturation doesn't even work out because all the texture colors they chose were muddy anyways. It it just... does feel really muddied up, like the backgrounds. A lot of it when they did lighting, it makes it almost feel blurry. And mm-hmm. since they're using a lot of the yellow and dull browns, it it feels really really muddy. I don't know any other way to put it. It doesn't look great. Even in the HD version, they cleaned up a lot of the issues with the lighting in particular, and they enhanced a I lot saw. of the textures. It still looks pretty muddy just because of the color choices. It's not a bright, whimsical game like Wind Waker. They could have done so much better, though, just making it a little bit brighter and more fun to look at. It looks yeah. dank. And it's it's too <laughs> bad because there are some moments that are absolutely stunning. And you can see where the the entire overall game design uh, could have looked better. Like, anytime you're at the, the fountains with the spirits, it's gorgeous. You're You're bathed in this light. Um, and it's it's just an aesthetic that works so well for scenes like that. But then when you're like in a path going up to Goron Mountain and you're just surrounded by a, a textured wall tiled wall in ground. Yeah, it just looks yeah. like poop. <laughs> the one thing I will say I think looks good is anytime it is kind of that sunset evening yeah aesthetic. when it's twilight. not necessarily the twilight, not necessarily the twilight because it gets a little too dark in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But like the King Boblin fight we keep referencing, for instance, when you're doing the standoff looks, on the bridge, looks it looks beautiful. It's like a nice orange sunset, and they just used a little bit more color on those pre-existing textures, 
without as much bloom and it looks great you know what i think it is too i think hmm. if if this look was applied to the breath of the wild map which is a huge open map it would have looked really good it's that twilight princess wanted to be an open world game but it still had to have those awkward little corridors between areas and so its visual style was great for big open fields but then it just doesn't work out when you're in those tight spaces that you have to have in video games back then if you want to have a big world. I mean, I saw this in a different video. You said that this would look good in Breath of the Wild. They would have had to do the game differently. They couldn't use the same models and textures that they yeah. use. There's a video I saw. Some guy broke down how cell shading works in The Wind Waker. It was a really good video. If you, can, if you look up... Uh, cell shading Breath of the Wild, you'll find it. It's got like 400,000 views now. It's very well done. It explains cell shading nicely. Mm. You take the cell shading off of Breath of the Wild, it looks rough. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the video where they talk about how there's one spot in Breath of the Wild where the cell yes, shading Yes, yes, that video. I saw that, yeah. It was a great video, <laughs> but like it looks so bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like not necessarily even like bad, just not good. Bland. <laughs> It's, it's fun stuff. We're talking about how stuff looks. How do you think the environments in this game look? A lot of people say Hyrule Field is very big and nice, but it feels very empty. Mm -hmm. But then there are other areas like Castletown, which people love because it's smaller and it feels so rich and lived in. I like a lot of the areas. I feel like they could have been more filled in, but with the limits on the hardware, they couldn't necessarily do that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the the size of the maps outpaced their ability to fill it and that's something they mm -hmm. fixed you know later on um the the areas hyrule field i i do like hyrule field in most of the spots however when you leave kakariko village to the north towards that uh, that bridge that ends up collapsing as soon Elden. as you step out you can literally see the tiling of the grass and the stone because it's such a big open flat spot there. And it it takes you uh, right out of the game. It looks like you're in Minecraft. Mm. Uh, I, I hadn't yeah. seen that recently. Uh, all in all, I think the area the, design as well. Hmm? The area design is nice, but yeah. they, they, they try to do too much with it, maybe. Yep, I agree with that. I think a lot of the smaller areas are great. A lot of the bigger ones are a little tough. Like, thinking into, like, the Faron Woods, for instance, there's a lot going on in those. A lot of polys on screen at all times, but since it feels so closed off all the time, I think it I think it looks a lot better. I don't, I don't know if that's just me, but... No, I agree. It, it does... The smaller areas look really good. What, what I do like, too, and this is, uh, this is less, I guess, the visuals and more just the design of it, I love the big open Hyrule field and how they were able to compromise it by by having different sections of it surrounding the castle. I thought that was the a neat way of, of having a big open world in an early 2000s video game. It is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We are coming kind of close on time. We've still got plenty Shoot. left, but there's still yeah. a lot we want to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump into some of the actual controls and mechanics. I don't have a good segue. Deal with it. As for the controls, it's a Zelda game. There's probably not much we have to say on this. It's incredibly polished. But mm -hmm. was there anything that stood out to you? Anything jarring or anything that you're like, wow, that's awesome. I can't believe they did that in 2006. I, I can't explain it fully yet, but the Z-targeting, I like it better than any other Zelda game. Like, it for me, it's just, it's been working. I've never had a moment where I was like, goddamn, Z-targeting freaking worked. 
which does happen to me sometimes in other Zelda games. Never had that with this one. It never jerks the camera to a point where you're like, oh god, what's going on? Yeah, it, I noticed that. It doesn't, it doesn't always point it directly at the enemy um, or point it directly forward. Sometimes you Z-target and the camera only pans out to fit you in the, in the enemy on the screen, which I really like. Mm-hmm. It makes it feel more like a, a Pokemon battle almost. Yeah. Where it's like it's just you and the enemy on screen, and that's really cool. One thing I will say with camera controls, I'm always going to find a reason to complain. On the Wii, for a Wii game where you only have the one analog stick, it's fine. I don't like it, but it works. GameCube, you have C stick controls, but they're fine. They work. It could be faster. It could be better. The assistive camera works really well the way it follows you. It's not too aggressive where it's always behind you, but it does always slowly tail to end up behind you, and I think that that's nice, and you always have the ability to snap it behind you with the targeting. Camera's fine. I, it, it could be better. There's yeah. a perfect camera out there somewhere. I'm sure I probably enjoyed it before, but this is okay. <laughs> with, the, with the method that I played it, with i was able to finally invert the camera controls and it just on his game big sigh of relief on my gamecube um <laughs> no actually though here quick side story for you listeners here you might like this i did have twilight princess on the wii and i uh i had it left at my parents house so over the weekend i drove over to go pick it up and i learned that they just they just sold it <laughs> they didn't even ask me or anything they're just like, oh yeah, we got rid of that. I was like, okay, thanks. The worst part is right now the Wii is at like its lowest value. Give it two or three more years, it's going to be ridiculously expensive because all the 2007 kids are going to be nostalgic for yeah. it. So it's I'm telling you, it's right around the corner. The Wii games are going to go way up. Like I got Twilight Princess a couple invest, years ago invest. for 20 bucks. Yeah, now if you want to buy a Wii now, you can sell it in three years for probably double what you get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh. yeah, so uh, I ended up having to play the game on my GameCube. Uh, air quotes there. Air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to fully customize the controls. It made it really nice. Actually, with the way I played it, I got to turn up its internal resolution to to HD with the GameCube version. And it looked really good. I I like it. Texture's still a little muddy, but it looks much crisper. Oh, it's so crisp. And it... Crispy. I, I think the crispiness, or the lack thereof, is what made the, the game look so bad. Because when you make the textures mm. crispy, the muddiness is a little bit more okay. Everything feels a little blurry in the GameCube version. Because <laughs> it I is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it is. It's because it is. Okay, it's that makes a lot of sense. internal resolution is less than standard definition. I, I think this game on GameCube runs <clears throat> a is it 480? Yeah, it's incredibly bad. <laughs> like I just not even threw up all seven pixels. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we could sit here and nitpick all this stuff all day. I do want to touch on the gameplay and the mechanics. Uh -huh. There's a couple of cool things that are in this game. You can run around and swing the sword at the same time. It's not useful at all, but it's cool, and I like it. Uh, horseback combat. Very underwhelming. Feels awesome. I like it. Yeah. Rolling feels kind of slow and weird, but it works. And I think at times Link feels a little slow, but I know you'd said you didn't feel that way. So well, what are your thoughts on the things that I just listed off there? <laughs> I agree. They, it, it all feels good. It feels great. Halfway through the game, I turned on fast roll. So when Link rolled, he like 
freaking just zoomed. So that felt really good. I think they should put that in the normal games. Yeah, I mean, like, Wind Waker's rolling is good because it, it goes far and it's a quick movement. Yeah. Twilight Princess, it's kind of like, this would be what happens if you actually roll. Like, I remember seeing a Bill Nye thing probably 15, 20 years ago at this point. Probably not 20. I wasn't three. But <laughs> I remember him saying, talking about baseball, and, like, if you dive, you're losing speed because you're not pushing yourself forwards. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a roll. Once you push, you're not gaining any more speed. You're losing speed. And they made that more realistic, and I don't think it's as good as Wind Waker. No. But it's fine. Without God. without any speed hacks, I didn't roll around to get places, which is what I would do with any other Zelda game. I, I can't say if that's good or worse. It felt less Zelda-y to not roll around, though. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> um back on the areas real quick do you think that the way they designed them especially the smaller areas did it bode well to the controls and mechanics kind of highlight them a little bit or does mm. the world feel too big for some of these smaller mechanics i, I don't know how i want to word that uh so ocarina of time brought in epona to ride around and that felt mm-hmm. awesome just only within hyrule field which was a tiny area this game did an amazing job at expanding Hyrule Field and having Epona be a mount that you would actually use for most of the game. Uh, and I just, I like how interconnected everything is. I didn't have to think mm-hmm. too hard about getting to places. I would just be like, yeah, I know the lake is over there. Let's just kind of ride and see what happens. And it worked out every time. I I think that is that is successful environmental design, in my opinion. That's good. Environmental design works really well. Good to hear. <laughs> um, one thing I also wanted to talk about, the whole concept of hidden skills. This is a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is hold target and press the sword button. It's fine. It's a Zelda game. But they have all these hidden skills that really enhance the combat. The only one you need is the first one. But they force you to learn that anyways. That's the final blow. But there's a bunch of stuff like the shield bash, the helm splitter, the back slice, all this other stuff. Did you find any of the hidden skills in your most recent playthrough? Uh, yeah, I, I got the shield bash and I got the um, the finishing move. I would have gotten the third one, but I ran out of time. I wanted to get more of them, though, though, because... Uh, the mortal draw or whatever it was. <laughs> that'd be cool. They, they actually mm. felt useful. And it was so cool to learn the final blow and then use it on the final boss of the uh, Forest Temple, or the, the Ferron Woods Temple. That was a nice temple, little yeah. payoff. It made it feel like learning that move actually mattered. It, it does. That's the only one they do that with. They're not going to force people to learn all of the moves, mm-hmm. um, so they don't really make you use them. That's one of these things. I actually did a whole video on how deep combat is, particularly in yes, the Minish Cap, Wind Waker, and Twilight Princess, and how it really... If you want to, you can become the most extreme sword fighter on the planet, but they don't make you do it because it's a Zelda game. They have to make it more consumable, but it is so good, and I absolutely love it. Backslices and helm splitters are so cool. <laughs> yeah. Everything's so cool. They made this Link so cool. Sumo wrestling? Come on. <laughs> oh, this Link is the coolest Link of them all, for sure. Oh, the machismo is off the chart. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that his voice is like, Two octaves low, two octaves lower than any yeah! other. <laughs> this is the oh. first Zelda who is. Um, I know he's in the story. He's not a man, but like, come on, this guy's a he's, he's a man. He's 
He's the manliest non-man of all the non-men. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, Zelda's usually, god damn it. You did it again, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs> oh. Link. You did it Link, twice. Link. Link is usually <laughs> such a twink in the game. <laughs> and that just doesn't, great vibe. But for a Zelda game, sometimes I think you need a a big man to get it done because you know he's got to be probably a power bottom in this context. Hmm? <laughs> he's probably a power bottom in this context. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so there are a bunch of really good items in this game. Some of them are underutilized: the spinner, the dominion rod, the ball and chain. What do you think about these really, really cool items that they essentially only use in a handful of spots? I wish I got to those items. I, From what I saw, they looked so fun. I want to do the spinner. The spinner looks freaking awesome. But it's, you I get was, to ride a Beyblade. I was so sad to hear that you don't really use it much out of the dungeon. Um, you said something about the spinner and how they could have done that better, right? Personally, like the spinner in particular, they could have... I mean... Looking back at a game like Breath of the Wild, they make you use all the runes just spread out throughout the world. This is trying to be an open world game. Why wouldn't you put objectives that you can access later with the spinner, with the ball and chain? Yeah. They did it a little bit with the Dominion Rod, so I guess that's like the least of these ones. Like, why not put a giant block of ice you need to break with the ball of chains, ball and chain somewhere outside of Snow Peak? Or a giant boulder that can't be blown up with bombs, but for some reason works with the ball and chain i don't know or like why not put a mountain that you need the spinner to climb up and there's like i mean you don't even have to do anything crazy just put a piece of heart up there but there should I think have been that more there were ways that they could have hyrule field to use the spinner but i guess it I would mean, have made epona obsolete then well not necessarily like for traversal i'm just saying to get to different areas like mm. it's the definition of a door but i like using the spinner let me use the spinner to do a door like, <laughs> mm-hmm. they could have done so much more with it. And I think that they did a really good job at making every single item in this game feel good to use. Why not make us use them more? I don't know. I guess it's because the base mechanics are fine enough. You use the spinner a couple times in Hyrule Castle as well, so that's cool. But the ball and chain is basically useless once you leave. You can use it for fights and stuff too, but it's whatever. I do also want to touch on the dungeons. We're pressing for time. Now we're like pressing for time. It's a Zelda game. It's a Zelda game before Breath of the Wild. The dungeons are very linear. But mm. God, I freaking love these dungeons. These are good dungeons. <laughs> these are. I know you'd had some thoughts on it. You'd said one line before we started recording. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ooh, which one? Um, you said you want these, basically. Yeah, I, I want... Okay, Breath of the... So, I never would have said this um, before Breath of the Wild... Did I already say that part at the top of this episode? I want Probably, linear I Zelda know. back. Um, linear mm. dungeons. I, I think I got sick and tired of them for a bit, but after Breath of the Wild, I am my body is ready for a linear Zelda experience, and I just want it's a well-crafted so dungeon to run through. That's all I ask for. Mm. So good. We we love a good Zelda dungeon here. I love these Zelda dungeons in particular. A lot of people say that even compared to Ocarina of Time, a lot of these dungeons are too linear because it does the same thing as Wind Waker, where you go in there, you have one path, you find a key after doing a puzzle, the key lets you get the door on the other side of the room to where you can do another puzzle to get another key to go through another door to do another puzzle to get another key to go through a door. 
I think that's fine. It's a linear dungeon and it makes you solve the puzzles. In a context of a game like Breath of the Wild, it doesn't work. That's fine, but like, I like it in these games. I don't know. I'm picky. I think these are better than Ocarina of Time because they don't make you backtrack at all whatsoever, and I love that. Yeah. Fuck backtracking in dungeons. Or there might mm. be some moments of backtracking, but it's not really backtracking. It's more like lots of paths in uh, Twilight Princess dungeons crisscross over each other. Yeah, that's cool. It makes me feel like I've like done it. something. Yeah. Or like when you impact the central hub room like you would in the Forest Temple of Ocarina of Time. It's awesome. Like, yeah, you go down this path, you do a thing, you come back. Something happens. Like, you see your progress. It's a nice way to visualize it. Oh, and that's then, cool. I just need to say it so it's, um, you know, down recorded. Uh, the monkeys are just thick as hell. <laughs> Especially Ook. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> He's bringing the badonkadonk with him. Oh, and he knows how thick he is. He was showing off hmm. when he was fighting you. He was shaking his ass at us. <laughs> Maybe he's the power bottom. I don't know. <laughs> and then, oh my god, to continue discussions about butts, I swear, half the cutscenes with Midna, the camera is just on her butt with whatever else, you know, that she's talking to. They did not have to do the cameras like that, but they chose to do that, which I thought was an interesting little uh decision to make there it's uh that's interesting <laughs> uh what's your favorite dungeon of the ones that you've played what's your i don't have anything to say I, i'm out what's your favorite uh, dungeon <laughs> i mean I didn't, I didn't get to do too many of them but i did i did really like the forest temple uh the goron mines were fun too i usually don't like the the goron mine dungeons as much but this one was pretty good uh the water temple actually not bad which that's what i was gonna say crazy i wanted to say props to the designers for making a good water dungeon it's not the best dungeon in the game in my opinion but it's not bad i mean after the fiasco that was the water temple and the mediocrity of the first floor of the tower of the gods they handled this really well i think they made the water changing feel more rewarding than tedious mm -hmm. and that's cool it's really good Personally, my favorite dungeon's a toss-up between City and the Sky. Just, I love the aesthetic of it and the traversal, or the Arbiter's Ground. I also love the aesthetic and the Beyblade, so hey. it's a win there. Oh my gosh, the I Sky mean, Temple has the weird chicken dudes, right? Yes, the Uka, or is it Uka? I don't know. Uka the chickens Uka? with nipples. <laughs> I think Uku's the one of them. Ooh. Like, that's the one that you get to hang out with. <laughs> last thing up. i want to touch yeah. on real quick the bosses we've kind of already touched on some of them ook in particular i think they're all awesome but they're a little on the easy side so, so kind of take that for what you will cody what are your thoughts on the bosses as a whole not necessarily anything in particular anyone in particular rather easy but fun like they are easy um and it, it would have been nice to have bosses that needed at least two tries to beat <laughs> instead of one <laughs> but I had a whole bunch of fun while playing every boss. And I think in the end, we knowing Nintendo, that's what matters. You know, having fun mm -hmm. more than anything else. It feels rewarding. I don't know if you feel the same way, but they felt rewarding to me in the sense that when I beat the boss, I'm like, that was super satisfying. Yes. Like using the little bomb boys with the boomerang in Diababa or like just claw shotting, hook shotting, more feel. It just... They make it feel so cool. And the way you get to use the spinner against Stalord and the double claw shots to climb up in this giant sky Ooh. arena. 
against what, what's the what's the guy's name? Argorok is just it's so cool. I love everything about this. I think I saw that There's... somewhere that the the boss arenas in Twilight Princess are just really good. They're so good. I love them so much. <laughs> the way they handle the environments and the item usage in each fight is just awesome. They're like, the, I guess they thought of it. How can we use this dungeon to make the coolest looking room? And how can we make a fight to make this item feel the most satisfying it possibly can to use? Like Blizzetta, yeah. that's not a great boss fight in my eyes. But using the ball and chain to chip away at a giant ice monster is so cool. <laughs> oh, I love it. What do you think of the boss designs? Like, did you think that they looked cool as a whole? Obviously, it's yeah. still Twilight Princess, so graphically they're not impressive, but... The actual boss, like, the shapes they take are pretty cool, I think. Um, the... Just... It, oh, it was super cool fighting the the Elder Goron in the, uh... In the uh, Goron Mines. That was a cool boss. Virus? Yeah, how he was, he was just a big dude. And he had to pull the chain to, like, knock him down. I liked it. Mm. It's so cool. Machismo to the max. I can yeah. pull harder than you. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fun. Unfortunately, with the time crunch, I think that's all we have to say. Cody, do you have anything else you're just dying to get off your chest about this abbreviated Twilight Princess episode that's actually full length? <laughs> yeah, um, this is a game that I'm glad I finally got to spend some time with. And I think I treated it much more harshly than it deserved. Um, this is, I think it's a great Zelda game. I used to think it was just okay, but now that I've played it, I like it. It is, it is Zelda. It is capital Z Zelda, and I love it for that. I mean, it leans into Zelda really hard, and I think it's great because of it, because it is just a Zelda game, and a damned good one at that. The, the little flag, the little tagline underneath our cameras says, Twilight Princess is a very Zelda game. Yes. And... I mean, that's the perfect way to describe it. If you're ranking it on the scale of 3D Zeldas, you know, OOT, MM, Wind Waker, Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild, Twilight Princess. Out of those six, where is it? You're not going to like me. It's still like five or four. because Only because <laughs> I can't put it below Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, Breath of the Wild, and Majora's Mask. I just can't. I still can't believe you feel so highly about Majora's Mask. I understand a lot of people really like it, but like well, I just Majora's don't Mask is like, get it. Is like number four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I put this game above Skyward Sword. I put it above Majora's Mask. Personally, like people will hate me for saying this. I think Twilight Princess is better than Ocarina of Time. It takes the same formula, builds on the story, and it's a better video game. It's my opinion. I know it's probably wrong to most of you. I think <clears throat> that Twilight Princess is the third best Zelda game because I'm a little Wind Waker bitch and Breath of the Wild's great. There we go. Hot takes. That is a hot take. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, with that, that'll be this week's episode of the Analog Sticks Podcast, episode 24, two dozen. We're rolling. If you listened all the way through, hit the buttons to do the stuff. We'd really appreciate that. Also, you can check us out on Twitter at Analog Sticks underscore and on the Patreon link below. We don't do anything for it yet, but we've got several ideas if you want to do something for us. And with that, thank you very much for listening. For myself, Rusty Nails, and my good friend and co-host, Cody, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Yeah. That was pretty good. <laughs> I had the hard out at an hour, so like, <laughs> it's a little tough, but